life, I always just wanted to let them do it, even if it wasn't anything I was going to end up using or baking, or it wasn't like building towards, you know, a goal of a loaf of bread. It was building towards a goal of them feeling like they had ability and skill and power and independence and those things, which then eventually becomes a loaf of bread, like way down the line. Welcome to Didn't I Just Feed You, a podcast about feeding kids. Hi, I'm Stacy. And I'm Megan. If you'd like to support Didn't I Just Feed You, you can subscribe to our bonus episode feed on Apple Podcasts or join our super fan community by visiting didn'tijustfeedyou.com backslash community. If financial support of the podcast isn't in the budget right now, you can show your love by sharing your favorite episode with a friend or leaving us a rating or review wherever you listen. Or hey, if you like the idea of being in our community, but you don't have the budget to support us financially now, that's not a problem. We have a free section of our community. Just go to that same link, didn't I just feed you.com backslash community. Look for free. We'd love to have you there. You can get meal plan ideas. You can ask us questions. Megan and I are always on the board. So are so many other busy home cooks helping each other out, sharing favorite recipes, etc. So Megan, I want to get into today's episode. I think this is so interesting. You did it while I was gone. Yep. You interviewed Jennifer Latham. She's the former director of Bread for Tartine Bakery and a cookbook author. And I don't know if everybody knows that Tartine Bakery is a very famous bakery. I would venture to say it might be the most famous bakery in the United States. It's in San Francisco. Okay, that's an interesting. Now I want to Google that. I mean, it might be the most for the sourdough. And then there's like the whole San Francisco sourdough thread. Yeah, I feel like what I mean to say more than more famous, it has the most name recognition. Yes, yes. Like Magnolia Bakery, maybe in New York City for like cupcakes and desserts. But Tartine, I think of as having the most name recognition that like most Americans might know. I don't know if that's true. I made it up. I make up stuff sometimes. Anyway, (laughs) so you guys chatted about baking bread with kids, which is also the subject of Jennifer's latest book. I think it's very funny that you talked about this while I was out of town. (laughs) You were like, Stacey, not into this one. (laughs) I wish I'd gotten a chance to talk with Jennifer. But if you if we didn't have a guest and I didn't know about Jennifer and you were just like, hey, what about an episode about baking bread with kids? I would have been like, really? Like, that seems very niche. And then you no, guys I know had, I actually I pitched it several times. You did. And I said that <laughs> it took a famous baker. <laughs> to, and then listen, you did it without me. I just. It's so interesting. And it's so interesting to listen to your conversation because there was so much more there than I ever expected as someone who doesn't bake bread and who never baked bread with my kids. I mean, quick breads I've done. That's okay. So there's a whole there's so much to digest here. And just the last couple of things you've said. One, we have talked about bread baking before. We talked about sourdough with your yeah. friend and neighbor yeah. a couple of years ago. Especially and we talked like, about how I don't do it. And then yes. you guys challenged and, me to do it. And I failed and once. And then I don't which is, do it. <laughs> which is totally fine. And I actually think that maybe Samantha brought this book to our attention. And we really actually spent like several months going back and forth because 
were like, ooh, even both of us, even me, like I self-identify as a baker. I've recently gotten back into sourdough bread baking, which is a like having another pet or another kid in the house, like requires constant daily care. Um, I was like, hmm, are people going to be intimidated by bread baking with kids? But I think what I think what really sparked the conversation was we had this conversation with Heather of Happy Kids in the Kitchen and her advice was sort of like 30 seconds matters in the kitchen with your kids. 60 seconds matters. So like what then is the benefit and why would anyone want to do something that's as time intensive or that we think of as being as time intensive and and Jennifer and I sort of talk about how it cannot be super time intensive as bread baking with kids. And so really, even though like the title of this episode is about bread baking, this is just another lens with which to view cooking with your kids and you and like getting all the benefits, the math, the reading, the community building skills with them. And maybe like you are a person who weeknights are just absolutely insane. You can't even get that 30 seconds or 60 seconds in with your kids most nights because maybe they're like practices or whatever. But maybe your habit is once a month you guys make milk bread or, you know, you make pita once a week. There are lots of different entry points to getting our kids in the kitchen. And I think that bread is a really interesting one, especially because it is a lot easier than vegetables on the surface. Like we think that kids don't really like vegetables and they don't really want to do veggie or raw meat prep, but like kids like bread. They kids will do like bread. And they I would love that. Yeah. And we have definitely gotten comments over the years that, you know, when you talk about cooking with kids, so many people default to baking sweets. Mm-hmm. And then, like you said, the savory things that we're typically cooking in our family kitchens, raw meats, vegetables, kids might not be excited or jazzed about depending on their age and what kind of eater they are. So really bread falls in this nice little sweet spot where it feels like a project. You can pull the kid in for the whole process. If they're old enough, if they have the patience, they have the kind of personality for it. You can pull them in for just a small part of the process because, you know, just a few minutes matters. And then the end result is something that we know most kids will want to eat, even if you're dealing with a gluten intolerance or allergy in your house because you can bake gluten-free breads. Yes. Okay. So I feel like this conversation is really great. I'm going to, I'm patting myself on the back. I'm patting, patting Jennifer on the back. And I think it is, it's a great, it's a great episode. Yes. So Today's guest, Jennifer Latham, is the author of Baking Bread with Kids from 10 Speed Press and co-author of Bread Book with Chad Robertson. She is the former director of Bread for Tartine Bakery. She studied philosophy and journalism at UC Davis Santa Cruz before following her love of dough into professional kitchens. Jennifer believes that healthy local food systems foster healthy people, communities, and environments. She lives in Northern California, where she loves to play outside. Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us today. You have been a bread baker for a long time, but can you tell us a little bit about your bread baking life and also where in your journey of bread baking your kids fit in and how long they have been baking bread for? Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk to you. So I started baking 
pretty young. I lived in Germany for a little while as a kid and in like rural Southern Germany, a lot of the bread we got was like pretty traditional homemade bread. So there was a lot of really hearty, seedy rye breads and kind of earthy whole grain farmer's breads. And so those are the breads that I really kind of got used to eating at a pretty young age. And then when we moved back to the States, there was none of that. We were living in upstate New York. There was definitely no like farmer's bread in upstate New York. But I kind of, I, you know, when we first moved back, I was too young to really start baking on my own. But I always had those breads in my mind. And my mom was a great baker. So I grew up making pies and cookies and things with her. And then when I got old enough to kind of start conceiving of my own things that I wanted to be making, I started going back to like those honey whole wheat breads, those really earthy kind of German style breads. So I had started baking bread at home kind of in high school and pretty casually, and then kept it as kind of a hobby through through college. And then when I moved to San Francisco, I moved a block away from Tartine. <laughs> I was going in all the time um, and getting the bread and really kind of, I think a lot of people have a similar experience to me where you get that Tartine bread and you tear open the loaf and it's warm and it's fresh and it's so, there's just so much life force in that bread. <laughs> and it's really, um, it sucks you in. It's really engaging. And so I kind of you know, I was working, I went to UC Santa Cruz and studied journalism and philosophy. And I moved to San Francisco with this idea of being a writer and just needed to pay rent. So I started working in the restaurant industry just to pay rent and realized, you know, I really loved doing it. Um, and kind of the thing I loved the most in that department was bread. My only professional bread baking job is Tartine. Um, I started there, kind of learned everything I knew there. Um, and worked my way up to being the director of bread as we kind of started expanding and opening other locations and whatnot. I was pregnant when we opened the manufactory, which is the the newer Tartine location on Alabama Street. I was like six months pregnant when we opened. Um, I worked all the way through like four days before. I had them on January 4th and my last day at work was New Year's Eve. So I was like going in there, like wow. getting my apron yeah. over the belly, <laughs> trying to like just barely reach, probably reach the loader. Right? Yeah. So yeah, I came back with newborns and started um, working as a manager at that space. And then as we grew, kind of grew with that. Um, so, you know, I was baking at home. I was actually looking through a bunch of pictures yesterday, pulling together some, some kids baking pictures. And I have even more than I realized than I remember. I was looking back and I was like, wow, you guys were, you know, from the point you could stand, they were like standing on chairs in the kitchen with me. And it started off really as just giving them an extra piece of dough or a bowl of flour that I wasn't even going to use, but like a bowl of flour and a whisk. And okay, you can just stand here and whisk this flour for like 20 minutes because it's fun for you to do. And you, you know, you feel like you're, you're here with me and we're together and you're doing something, you know, because at that age and even now still at six, they just want to be doing whatever you're doing. And I know that that is right. a finite <laughs> phenomenon that pretty soon it's going to flip and they're going to, you know, not want to have anything to do with what I'm doing. But I felt like I really, you know, at, at the point where they want to be involved, I want them to be involved as much as they want to and can. Because when that flips, I want to, I want them to have a big bank of of having feeling like, you know, accomplished and enjoying doing things, you know, enjoying being in the kitchen. So at first I was just giving them like an extra chunk of dough, an extra bowl of flour. And then they kind of were like picking skills that they wanted to work on. So like, you know, Ben really liked the Levan. So he would be like, okay, that's my job. It's my job is to like put the Levan in the water. And June's always really liked cracking eggs. So anytime we do anything cracking eggs, like that was her skill that she was working on. And then they, you know, they're at the point now where they're learning more about 
reading and math. And so we're actually like writing recipes out together and like like block letters so they can practice the words and then talking about the numbers. And so now they can put a bowl on a scale and tear it and put flour into a certain number of grams. And for them, that's like really rewarding and powerful feeling and exciting to be able to do something that seems sort of like advanced and complicated like that. But thinking back on it, it was built towards with like really small baby steps of like putting a little skill here and a little skill there. But I think the overarching theme was that I always just wanted to let them do it, even if it wasn't anything I was going to end up using or baking, or it wasn't like building towards you know, a goal of a loaf of bread. It was building towards a goal of them feeling like they had ability and skill and power and independence and those things, which then eventually becomes a loaf of bread, like way down the line. And one of the things I say in the kids' bread book that I think is like was the most helpful all the way through is just been like to do anything on kid time because it's so easy as a grown up to be like, okay, I can bust this cake out in 20 minutes and have it in the oven and have it out in an hour and we'll be out the door or whatever. But with kids involved, it's just, you have to like take any timeline and just out the window, (laughs) which is hard to do, you know, as things, things get so scheduled. And um, I think it really takes a deliberate as an adult, like a deliberate practice to be like, okay, I'm, I'm going to let go of any attachment I have to time or to the outcome and just like, let this be what it is. Even June loves to mop and sweep after, after we're done. Cause that's something we've always done together, you know, and I went to go mop the kitchen the other day. I was like, I have 20 minutes. I can get the floor clean. And June came in and saw me mopping and was like, give me that mop. And I just had to be like, okay, this is not going to happen in 20 minutes now. Like I'm going to let you do this. Maybe the floor wouldn't even get mopped. But like, for me, I feel like letting her do those things that she wants to do and that make her feel accomplished is more important to me than having like the mopped floor in 20 minutes. Yeah. You have such a beautiful detachment from the outcome, like through the whole story of like your kids growing up. But I'm so curious what advice you have for other parents who they might have a kid six to 10 years old who's like, I am interested in baking bread for whatever reason. And they, as a parent, struggle with like some just like the letting go, whether it's about the mess or possible waste or perfectionism, like what advice would you give them about how to let go and how to let them get their kids started? Yeah. I think it's just practice. Honestly, I think it's just kind of keeping that as a really intentional goal, that kind of, you know, letting go and reminding yourself, because I fall into it too, where, you know, like, I got to do this. I have to, you know, I'm trying to test this recipe and I need to get it tested. So I need to be specific about it. So I know what I'm doing and things like that. And there are times that I have to say like, look, I really have to focus on this. This is hard for me. I need to concentrate. So I need a little space or like, you know, I'm going to give you something else to do. There are times that that happens for sure. But I also, I think it's just a practice of stepping back from what you're doing, like stepping kind of out of the situation where you're, you're, you know, head down and focused and being like, okay, so what do I need out of this moment? Like, do I need to get this thing done or, or can I, you know, take my hands off and let it be what it is? And I think, I really think it's just, you know, being able to stop and, and practice that, that assessment. Yeah. It makes so much sense. And I think I'm such a baker at heart too. So I also know when like, I care about something either because like I'm going to put on Instagram or because we're taking it to a neighbor's house and I want it to look a certain way. And also knowing the difference between like this can be just a thing that is just for us in our house and like 
It doesn't really matter if it bakes up wonky. It will probably still taste good no matter what. Or we can turn it into something else if we need to dress up how it tastes in some capacity. Totally. I also think about like you talk, you talked about like the mental space of it, like knowing when I'm already feeling like anxious or overwhelmed or just even hurried. But there's also something too for me where like my son is, he likes to be active in the kitchen, but he's kind of a mess, mostly because he moves too fast. And so like I will, I would never start a baking project with him on like a Sunday afternoon when we've like cleaned the whole house, but like a Friday afternoon where the house is like already kind of disheveled backpacks are everywhere. Lunch boxes have just unpacked. If he's like, I want to bake soft pretzels or something. I'm so game to do that with him. And just that's like a strategy for us in our house and like how we like to keep our house too. But I think thinking about not just your mental state, but also like, is your kitchen ready or not ready for you to be doing a project with your kids too. Yeah, totally. I mean, that's a really good point that kind of, you know, being able to fit it into the rhythm of, of whatever it is for your family and whatever it is that works for your personalities. And again, that's a little bit practice, you know, realizing, okay, so I'm not going to, I'm going to be miserable if I try to do this on Sunday afternoon. And, and then if I'm miserable, everybody's going to be miserable. <laughs> like, we're right. just going to avoid that. Like, that's a great point. And I think after leaving Tartine and now having this last year of being home, and, you know, having them be the age they are, it, you know, six years old. I feel like coming from a job where I was away a lot and they were in daycare all day and like, I missed them so much, you know, I think I, I would get home and the time that we did have together, I was like, I don't really care about anything else because I'm just going to soak up this, these moments that I have with you because they're so precious, you know, and even over this last year of feeling like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step back from this job. I'm going to start, you know, doing more recipe testing, doing more writing, which, you know, back to college, I've, that's kind of where my original you know, schooling lied and where what I thought I was going to be doing. So it's been really rewarding to be able to kind of bring together the baking and the writing thing. But it's also been a whole different situation. Like my life looks very different. Like I'm, I'm doing a lot of more, it's more self-motivated. There's more self-scheduling. I've got to be really organized and I have to like, you know, kind of balance all of us being at home with like me actually needing to get work done. <laughs> it's a very different scenario. But at the same time, I think that the thread that runs through it is recognizing that like this age is so temporary, you know, and at the end of the day, you know, when I look back from, you know, the end of the line, am I going to say, oh, I wish I kept the kitchen more clean? Or am I going to say, oh, I wish I'd, you know, made that banana bread that Ben wanted to make. So I think yeah. that's kind of part of the assessment for me too. Which I'm, I'm yes. somebody who's like, you know, I'm okay with things being a little bit here and there. And some people are just not comfortable with that. And I think just knowing where you're, what works for you is also really important. Tonight, I'd like to transport you to Night Falls, a mystical place where a luminescent waterfall glimmers in a starlit clearing amongst ancient pines. You can join me here every Sunday and Tuesday with a podcast of bedtime stories created to help you fall asleep easily. There's truly nothing more relaxing than a story told by firelight. So search Nightfall's Bedtime Stories on your favorite podcast player and gather around the fire for a soothing tale tonight. This episode is brought to you with support from Whole Foods. 
As a resident Greek girl, I am a sucker for Mediterranean flavors and want you to taste the Mediterranean too. Go to Whole Foods Market now and save on regionally inspired products through March 19th. Find sales on animal welfare certified meat, including boneless, skinless, air-chilled chicken breast, bone-in beef short ribs, ground lamb, and more. Save on whole bronzini and sustainable wild-caught sockeye salmon. And stock up on Mediterranean essentials like feta cheese crumbles, whole wheat pita pockets, and if you're over 21, wines from Spain, Greece, and Italy. Grab your ingredients and experiment with family-friendly Mediterranean cuisine today. Think Greek-style ground lamb pitas, lemony oven roasted chicken, or bronzino, or instant pot short ribs braised in wine. All simple and delicious. Taste the Mediterranean now at Whole Foods Market. Do you ever feel like you're in a never-ending cycle of snacks and meals? We get it. That's why we're excited to share HomeThreads, the ultimate solution for creating a stylish and functional family space. At HomeThreads.com, discover furniture that can handle the chaos of family life. From wipeable dining chairs to kitchen tables and light fixtures, or you can just freshen up your kitchen with trays, counter lamps, decor, and other affordable accents that will help you update your kitchen into a room you love spending time in. Head over to HomeThreads.com slash D-I-J-F-Y, short for didn't I just feed you, to get a code for 15% off your first order. Because if you're going to be feeding them three times a day, plus snacks, you deserve a home that feeds your style. HomeThreads, love where you live. That's HomeThreads.com backslash D-I-J-F-Y today to get 15% off your first order. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. We recently had a guest who gave this like permission slip, and this was really in regards to cooking with kids and less so baking to say like, okay, if you have this motivation and you want your kids to be confident in the kitchen when they're young, it's okay if the only thing they're doing is like peeling the carrots and then they lose interest and they walk away. And that was really wonderful. I think for a lot of listeners to hear like, Hey, those little incremental things that you do with your kids, they add up to a lot at the end of their childhood and before they leave the house. For me, I love the ritual of baking, whether it's like chocolate chip cookies or making bread. But like, can you talk a little bit about the benefits of this like deeper, we're not talking about like spending just 30 minutes if we're making a loaf of bread alongside our kids. Like what are the benefits of that kind of connection around food for kids? You know, for my kids, and especially like I was saying for June, who's so independent, she really needs to feel like empowered 
she needs to feel like she has things that are her decisions, that she, they're her choice, that she's, she's able to do it her way, you know, and, and this is probably not true for all kids, but just, you know, for her feel like, you know, in some ways she's a picky eater, but I don't think it's so much about what she likes the taste of or what she wants to eat. I think for her, it's about feeling like she has the choice. So if I make a salad and serve her a salad, she's not interested at all. If I take her to the market with me and let her choose what's going to go into the salad and then let her cut it up with her chef's knife, she's like the kid knife and does the cucumbers and like cuts kale and stuff. And then, you know, let her put what she wants in the bowl and, and plate it herself, she'll eat it. I think that is true for a lot of kids. I think they just want to feel like they have autonomy and they have choice. So for me, giving her a skill set where, okay, you know how to whisk the flowers, you know how to measure the baking soda, you know how to mix the dough, you know how to turn the mixer on and off. It gives her what she needs, which is autonomy and power, which is not something kids really have a lot or are given, you know, we, we do a lot of taking away power from them. Like, okay, I'm going to make this decision for you because it's quicker and easier. So having a situation where she's built up this toolkit over time, she's proud of herself. I trust her to do it. I think it's really good for both of us. Yeah. I really love in the book, there's a section about like how to be the kitchen assistant. Cause it's really like about getting the kids to bake on their own. Not just that, that, that you're like micromanaging how they bake. And I love the language of like, we're not there to like have them do just little bits of it. We're there to guide them as they do projects in whole. Yeah. I sort of hate the concept of love languages, but some kids for them having the love language of like quality time together, baking together can be one of those things where it's like they have your full undivided attention for an hour or two hours or however long the process takes, even if you guys are coming in and out of the kitchen. And that can really be a bucket filler for certain kids. You just described Ben. So my daughter is the one who's like, you know, fiercely independent, wants to do everything herself. And Ben is just a love bug. And he will just do anything to be with you and doing what you're doing. And but I think absolutely what you just said, that completely fills his bucket. You know, he loves to do, if I'm in the kitchen, he just wants to be in there with me. And it's less to do with baking and a lot more to do with just like, I want to be close to you. I want to be involved in what you're involved in. I just love being around you. And I think, again, that kind of, that's, that's not going to last forever. So, <laughs> so soaking that up for both of us while it's still there. The more we do it now, I hope it, it sticks down the line. Yeah. Some of it, like having an, an eight-year-old and an 11-year-old and Stacy having a 13-year-old and 16-year-old, there are themes that go through their entire cooking life, like things that they always like to do. Still, my kids argue about who gets to crack the eggs if we're <laughs> making cookies or brownies all together. So I'm like, okay, does this recipe have two eggs? So they each get one. Okay, we're moving forward with it. But then there's also stuff that comes back, like my daughter's interest in cooking has really waned, but she does now have more of an interest in baking. So we do a lot of like sweet baking together. But I also recently started getting back into a sourdough practice at home. And so they see, they like hear my alarm to feed my starter go off and they see me like doing little baking projects over the weekend. And they're, she's definitely like, Ooh, I'm very interested in that we made sourdough crackers this weekend and she's like these are really good and as someone who like june it sounds like has 
wants some control over what she eats and participating in it gives her more autonomy and makes her feel like she's more active in that choice too. Yeah. Okay. I struggle with this, but like how, what do you do when you are baking with your kids, especially something like bread where it's a little bit more time intensive and sometimes you get to like, you know, it's shaped and it's proof, but you have to move it into whatever it's going to bake in and like something goes wrong. How do you reframe that for yourself and, or also your kids? Like, how do you talk them down from being upset that like the loaf isn't perfect? I think that at this age for them, for being six, they don't really know what it's supposed to look like, you know? And again, there's like an interesting dichotomy with the two of them. Like June, June pays a lot of attention to what things taste like. So like I've been testing donuts lately for like weeks. We've been tasting all these donuts and Jim will taste them and be like, oh, you put more nutmeg in these. I don't think that was a good decision. <laughs> like this one needs a little more cinnamon in the cinnamon sugar coating. But for her, it's, it's, it's almost an observation and not a judgment. Like, I don't think she's saying this mm. is bad. I think they have to learn that. I think for them, it's like, oh, this is part of the process. And maybe, maybe they've just picked that up for me because that's sort of how I approach it. It's like, oh, so here's the good things about it. You know, this tastes great, but like the, the, it didn't open up. So we'll try again next time. And I think that they, they haven't really learned that, oh, it's, it didn't work out. So it's a failure. They've kind of learned, oh, here's things that are good about it. Here's things that we're going to change next time. And I think that also comes back to practice too, where it's not that we're just trying to bake one thing one time. And that's just part of our family and part of me being a professional baker is they're used to seeing things be done over and over again. Um, but I think, you know, I tried to kind of communicate that in the book a little bit too. Hopefully that it's not something you approach and you're like, I'm just going to try this one time. And that's the only time I ever make pretzels or whatever it is. Um, I really encourage people and, you know, on the book tours, when I was talking um, at bookstores and things, one of the things I was really telling kids is like, read this book with a pencil in hand and write in the margins, like write what worked for you, write what didn't work for you, right? Like we all love getting grandma's recipe box with the hand handwritten notes on the type cards that are like, actually use half a teaspoon more baking soda or sip this three times or whatever it is. I think that's one of the cool things about recipes is seeing them as, a, especially bread recipes, seeing it as like a living document where you're kind of adding to it as you go. And if you are using a different flour than I used, then maybe my pretzel recipe might be too wet for you and you're going to need to add a little more flour next time. And I think just, you know, kids are watching you for cues. And if you get frustrated and upset and you're like, this is a failure, this didn't work, I'm upset, then that's what they're going to do, you know? And, but if you are kind of, and it, it can take again, taking a moment, taking a breath and kind of stopping and saying, okay, is this a real failure or is this something that I tried and I'm going to try something different next time? Or maybe I won't even try it because I don't think that worked and it's not worth coming back to. But letting go of the like that kind of that judgment where I'm upset that this was a failure and kind of taking it more as like part of the process. If you feel that way and if you can kind of come to that point, I think that they'll follow you there. I think kids love that language of next time too. I mean, when my kids were really little, I remember that that was sometimes the only way to get them to leave the park or like leave a friend's house where they're having lots of fun is like, oh, you know, I see you really love that slide. It'll be here for us next time. And so I love this idea of like using that language as a thread through cooking and baking. Like there's always another opportunity to do it differently. And also the language of like, we're going to do it different this time. We're not going to do it 
better next time. Yeah. It's all just like this, this habit and this practice. Something that's bubbling up for me is that culturally we're like, oh, we should, we know that we're supposed to like have routines and rituals with our kids, whether it's like, we always have dinner together or we always have breakfast together. And then like we have Friday night movie night, or we always do pizza on Saturday nights. Uh, I think that we forget like just as a larger society that like habits can also be things that we do together, not just that we eat together. And I love this idea of like taking baking and making it something that you're practicing every week with your kids or every other week, or maybe you could, you only have the time and the bandwidth to do it once a month, but maybe you can um, make some things and like stock your freezers so that you get to enjoy them in the in-between too. Totally. They love those rituals, don't they? They love taco Tuesdays. They love pancake Saturdays. They love like knowing. And I think again, it gives them a little bit of a sense of power of like, okay, I know what's coming because especially the younger ages back to like, you know, having six-year-olds. I think that a lot of times they, they're just along for the ride. Like they're like, okay, what's coming next? Like, I don't know what tomorrow is. I don't know what day it is. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I think they want to have some sense of like, oh, I'm in on this. I know what's happening next. Again, it gives them a lot of like tools for their little mental toolkits being like, okay, I have the confidence and I, I, I'm part of this. I'm participating. I'm not just kind of powerless in the situation. That repetition too, I think is really powerful towards our, our sometimes goal of like making sure that our kids feel like they had a memorable childhood. My mom was a single mom and I know that she was like either using Bisquick or Krusty's, but in my mind, every Sunday she made pancakes. I don't think that that's like actually categorically true. There's no way for how busy she was and like raising three kids but I remember that because it seemed often enough in my childhood that it was every single yeah. Sunday. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, it's amazing what things, I mean, when, when I think back to my childhood, the things I remember, I'm kind of surprised by it. the things that like really make an impression. And I watch mine and I wonder like, what are the things that you're going to carry through the rest of your life? What are those like snapshot memories that you're always going to have 35, 40 years later? I can remember certain things like so crystal clear, you know, like skiing with my dad when I was really young, but it was so fun and so magical. And it was being there with him. You know, I remember I have this like memory of putting my arms around his knees and going down, like uh, going down the mountain in with my skis in between his skis. And he's like, make a pizza pie, Jenny, make a pizza pie. Like, and I think that there's, there are things about that memory, the togetherness, the enjoying something he was enjoying, the feeling like I was learning how to do something that he was really good at, you know, and those that made such an impression. I will never forget it. I will never not have that like crystal clear memory, you know, and I wonder what those memories for them are. Are they going to remember Baking bread, are they going to remember riding bikes together? Are they going to remember us climbing as a family? You know, I think just trying to do all those things and like <laughs> hope some of them stick. Yeah. And it's such a long game. I'm like, oh, will we be still doing uh, Didn't I Just Feed You in like 10 years? And you can come and talk about like what June and Ben are into when they're, yeah. they're 16 and they're deep in their teens. Totally. And then they re- like, there's the usefulness of it. Like cooking is useful as much as it can be like nostalgic and memorable, yeah. like there is something very rewarding about being able to like feed your friends while you're at college or feed a date in the future. And they, they will always come back to that totally. in some way, I'm sure. Yeah. Okay. So a sort of brass tax question, which is something I love, like getting down to the nitty gritty. 
if someone is new to baking bread or baking with their kids, what are a few recipes that you would recommend that they start with? For sure. Yeah. Um, I think a great one to start off with, like if you've never touched dough before, um, I think tortillas is a really good place to start. They're quick. You don't have to ferment them. They're pretty easy. It's almost like making biscuits. You like rub the lard in, you mix the cold water in, and then you make the dough balls and roll them out. And that's a great one. I used to do that when they were pretty little because you can give a tortilla ball to each kid and then they can do their one tortilla the whole time that you're like making the rest of them or whatever you need to do. That's a great place to start. And they're delicious. If you've never actually had homemade tortillas before, it's just like technicolor from the way the store-bought tortillas taste. So that's that's a fun one. Absolutely. Yeah. Pita is a really good intermediate one. And that's one we do a lot. It's like a quick, easy mix. It's pretty foolproof if you aren't worried about it pitaing. If you follow the steps right, it will pita, but it takes a little bit of patience. You've got to wait for the gluten to relax or else it won't blow that pocket. But even if you don't get the pocket, you get a really yummy flatbread. So you can kind of approach it like a naan if you want to. But that's a great school lunch recipe. We'll, we'll make a batch of pita and keep them on the in the bread box on the counter. And then we'll do it with the kids. Um, June likes peanut butter and honey in her pita. And for Ben, we'll do like cream cheese and jelly, or we'll just stick some cheese and stuff in there. You know, and as they get older, you can start doing those like, kind of hippie sandwiches with the sprouts and the shredded carrots and the yogurt, stuff like that. Um, or you can just use them for dipping hummus. We do that. So that's a great like kind of all-purpose recipe. And then if you're starting to think about getting into pan loaves and like with bread bread, the milk bread is one that we as a family love and make very often. Uh, that's like one of June's specialty breads. She's like, I want to make my milk bread. It is uses the Tangzong technique. So you're cooking flour with some milk and water, which gelatinizes the flour. So it makes those little starch molecules burst and then the protein can't form, but you get a structure from starch instead. And the starch structure is really tender and soft and chewy. So you're adding a little bit of extra gelatinized starch to the dough, which then makes bread that is really tender and soft and chewy and sweet and delicious. And that recipe is pretty straightforward if you've never like approached dough before. So I think that those are, those are all fun ones to try. Okay. I'm adding milk bread to my list because I have... I haven't ever made it, which surprises me. It's a really fun one. Yeah. And then that seems like sort of in the same way as the pita, like something that then you have a loaf and you can make like really incredible toast. You can do like super fun fairy bread, turn it into French toast for breakfast. Totally. That's one we never have trouble finishing. (laughs) It goes (laughs) goes away very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Are there recipes that you do have trouble finishing or like what do you do if because like I'm starting to get in back into my sourdough habit and some weeks like I might have made like a quick bread with leftover discard and then like also have a loaf of sourdough and I feel like we sometimes have like endy bits that I don't know what to do with yet I love to do croutons I have like a crouton recipe I used to make it for staff meal at tartine if we had extra leftover country bread um you just tear up the bread into kind of one inch cubes and I need to measure out what I'm doing so I can actually post this recipe, but tear it up or cut it up. And then I'll usually just kind of buy, I melt the butter and put olive oil on it because the combination of butter and olive oil is just magical. Um, so put, you know, kind of just saturated with butter and olive oil, toss it all in, microplane a little bit of garlic, put a little bit of salt and pepper and toast them in a really hot oven until they're dark. Um, and those are delicious. And I'd love to put them in soups and things. So just like put them straight in a tomato soup or put them in a chicken soup. 
there's some awesome classic French recipes in the original tartine book um, that call for like croutons like that in a soup with just like kale and beans and stuff and then the egg on top and it's super hearty and delicious. I also give away a lot of bread. Luckily, my parents live pretty close by. They love bread. So we take them bread pretty often when we're taking the kids down. Um, and then we have some great neighbors here in the neighborhood who also like bread. So <laughs> I love being like the bread fairy <laughs> for the neighborhood. <laughs> also, how great for your parents too, because you're like, uh, thank you for babysitting. I'm paying you only in bread, in my time and love. Yep. Yep. That's exactly yeah. went down there last week and, and hung out for a little bit. And I left them a loaf of bread and, and some banana bread that Ben and I had made. And I was like, I feel good about it. Like, I know you're happy. <laughs> like, I appreciate you watching the kids so we could go to dinner with friends. And I know that you're like happy eating this banana bread and made my dad happy. So I think everybody wins. Yes. It sounds so perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been such a pleasure to chat with you. Thank you so much for having me. I love, I love talking with you. That's such a great conversation, and I really hope that Didn't I Just Feed You is around in 10 years so that we can find out if Ben and June are still into baking. Maybe they're going to have their sights on opening their own bakery. Like, I want to know. Oh, my gosh. That would be such a fun from, like, so many of our guests, like, a retrospective on, like, where their kids are at now. Totally. It sort of reminds me of like the Katie Morford conversation we just reheated recently about prep. I guess that was in May, not so recently, that her family, like food was really important. And then it became this thing where like she's a cookbook author and a food personality. And one of her brothers is like a Michelin star chef. Um, So it'll be really interesting to see the trajectory of all the kids, even our kids. I know. Do you think that you're going to start bread baking now? No. <laughs> I thought maybe when you came back from Japan that you would be like, oh, I've got to figure out milk Milk bread. bread. And then I made the realization that you can just like go get good milk bread where you are. I won't be doing that. But also (laughs) my kids are older. I actually feel like if they were younger and I had heard this conversation, there is a higher likelihood that I would have shifted my perspective on it. I would just be so delighted though if Oliver on his own got into bread baking. Yeah, I feel like you would be like, okay, let me buy you the like bread pans, 100%. the sourdough baker. And I would be excited for him to teach me. There's something about bread that let's not go too deep, but anyone who's listened long enough and knows anything about me and my eating history and my relationship to food and cooking and body, bread's a little bit it's like my favorite thing and it's maybe not the like least charged food, emotionally charged food for me. Mm. Thank you, diet culture. Okay. Let's make sure people are subscribed. Yes. Wherever they're listening, they've left a rating and review and then they join us in our community. Cause I, this is one that I'm really, really curious. I especially want to hear from those of you who have school aged and younger kids Are you going to do it? Like, did this inspire you? If yes, why? If no, why? Let's take it to the community. We hope you've joined us there. If not, go to didn'tijustfeedyou.com backslash community. And the board, the free board is where we're talking about having all this conversation. All you have to do is type in your email. We never share it with anybody. And then, of course, if you want bonus episodes, if you want other goodies, just on the same exact page, you can see the supporting community membership options. 
A reminder to follow us on Instagram, where we are at Didn't I Just Feed You. A huge thank you to our producer, Samantha Gatsik. I'm Megan. And I'm Stacy. Stay sane and well-fed until next time. Be sure to subscribe to Didn't I Just Feed You wherever you're listening. And don't forget to rate and review. 